Our second scripture lesson this morning is from Isaiah chapter 65, verses 17 through 25. Hear now the word of the Lord. For I am about to create new heavens and a new earth. The former things shall not be remembered or come to mind, but be glad and rejoice forever in what I am creating. For I am about to create Jerusalem as joy and its people as a delight. I will rejoice in Jerusalem and delight in my people. No more shall the sound of weeping be heard in it or the cry of distress. No more shall there be in it an infant that lives but a few days or an old person who does not live out a lifetime. For one who dies at a hundred years will be considered a youth and one who falls short of a hundred will be considered accursed. They shall build houses and inhabit them. They shall plant vineyards and eat their fruit. They shall not build and another inhabit. They shall not plant and another eat. For like the days of a tree shall the days of my people be, and my chosen shall long enjoy the work of their hands. They shall not labor in vain or bear children for calamity. For they shall be offspring blessed by the Lord and their descendants as well. Before they call, I will answer. While they are yet speaking, I will hear. The wolf and the lamb shall feed together. The lion shall eat straw like the ox. But the serpent, its food shall be dust. They shall not hurt or destroy on all my holy mountain, says the Lord. This too is the word of God for the people of God. In the fall of 2012, I was living with my parents. I had graduated from seminary that spring, and because I had not yet responded to the spirits nudging to pursue ordination, I was unsuccessfully looking for jobs as a youth director pretty much anywhere that would take me, the key word there being unsuccessfully. So I had taken a job in a daycare as an infant room teacher, and you know, it wasn't great. Um, I have an infinite amount of respect for people that do that kind of work, but it wasn't for me. I was also in a car accident, nothing too major, just enough to put my 1998 well over 100,000 miles Honda CRV out of commission until the insurance company could check her out and get her fixed up. It was a pretty tough season in my life, and I can pretty safely say that I was, you know, miserable. Um, But then, sometime in late October, I got this call from a church offering me a job as their director of youth ministry, and I immediately and gleefully put in my notice at the daycare, and I took my dad and my best friend with me to look at apartments near the church, and I was thrilled, I mean beyond thrilled, for this new chapter in my life. I was finally climbing out of this slump that I thought I was in. And I came home one evening in the midst of all of this, and my dad, he tells me that the insurance company has uh, recommended that we just total the CRV and then use that money to buy a brand new car. And isn't that so exciting? And I sobbed, like really, really, really cried. Um, Not tears of joy or excitement, but of sadness or fear or some combination of the two, um, because it was in that moment that the gravity of all of this newness, all of the change that was happening in my life, good as it was, really settled 
inside of me, and I was, I was overwhelmed because, friends, even as good, even when they are good, and even when they pull us into something good and exciting, new things can be a lot, a lot to take in. The people of Israel that we meet in today's reading from Isaiah are both in the middle of and on the precipice of something new. These folks have returned from exile, having been conquered by the Babylonians and then deported, carried away from their homeland. They have spent generations living as captives in a foreign land. So when the people of Israel are finally allowed to return home, many of them have little or no memory of it. Many of them have never been there before. They have spent their entire lives in Babylon listening to their parents and grandparents talk about the glory of Jerusalem, the beauty of the land that God gave to them. I imagine it would be quite a daunting thing then to return home after all of this time with all of the stories in their heads. The exile has to have changed them, and perhaps they are wondering if things can ever go back to the way they were. And then there it is, Jerusalem, the home that they've heard about, the city where God dwelt among them. And I sort of think that it would be like finally going to see that movie that your friend has been talking about constantly, just going on and on about how amazing it is and how much you're going to love it. And in the end, when you finally see it, it's just kind of underwhelming. It doesn't live up to the hype. Jerusalem isn't this glorious city that Um, all of the exiles have heard about in the stories, and I imagine that they were underwhelmed and perhaps even a little disappointed. And here is where God's Word comes to them, a word of hope and of promise. God assures them that there is more work to do, that what you're seeing right now, it's not the end. There is more to come. Something new is coming, says the Lord, and it means that you will rejoice forever you are going to find constant delight in this thing that I am creating. God promises they will no longer have to worry about violence, illness, sorrow, or deportation ever again. Enemies, God says, will become friends, and the abuse of the weak and the lowly will become a thing of the past. God promises that the wait will be well worth it. And these are some top-shelf promises It is the future that they have been dreaming about with all of these new things. And that's good, right? Yes, it is absolutely good. Because we know that when God goes about the work of creating things, the outcome is good and on occasion very good, says Genesis 1. That does not mean, however, that things are going to be simple. For one thing, The waiting for the fulfillment of the promise is no picnic, waiting for anything is hard. Second, embracing new things, living into change can hurt, even if what came before wasn't great, and especially if it was wonderful, letting go of the past is hard. In verse 17, God says, I am about to create a new heavens and a new earth. The former thing shall not be remembered or come to mind. Be glad and rejoice forever. I don't think that Isaiah is suggesting that history will be erased as things change, as they are created and recreated. 
And I don't think that rejoicing in the new things that God promises and is creating means that the past is forgotten or held in contempt. It just means that as God is continually creating, living into this promise to recreate creation, we have to move forward. It means taking a step in the direction of the promise that God has given us. We are invited, in fact, we are called to be a part of that. God is in the business of fulfilling these promises, these top shelf promises, and we are called to live into that vision of hope for creation, to work for love and hope and justice and peace, to, as a community of believers, do things that will enact the will of God, to bring us one step closer to this promise fulfilled. And so we have to move forward. We have to be moved by the Spirit and the will of God into the future. And we can't do that if our gaze is perpetually behind us, if we are thinking of the former things. The problem with holding on to the triumphs and the failures of our past is that our hands are too full then to take hold of this new thing that God is doing. God is doing something new And as people of God, we are called to work, to be instruments of this recreation. It's part of who we are, which is what 2 Thessalonians is getting at. There are responsibilities that come with being a part of a covenant community. There is work to be done, and idleness is not really acceptable. To early Christians, work and prosperity were evidence of supporting oneself and thereby the whole community. To refuse to work was therefore to rebel and to take unfair advantage of others, and this was the problem. As in all times and places, God was working in the church in Thessalonica, but that church also needed effort and vision and commitment from the people there. It was true of the people of Israel returning from exile. The churches that sparked and grew in the first decade after Jesus, and it is true of the church today. Today is, of course, Commitment Sunday. Today, we will stand together as a community and say, this is how I financially commit to the church for the next year. But this weekend is also the 94th anniversary of Morningside Presbyterian Church. For 94 years, members of this body of believers have gathered together, worshiping God, serving their neighbors, loving one another, and building a family. I've been wondering a lot about those first morning ciders. Over the last few weeks, I've been to commitment gatherings, listening to folks talk about the church that they love so much, and I've also spent time with the staff as we start to plan ahead for Advent and Christmas, if you can even believe that. Um, And all of this has me thinking about the folks that started here 94 years ago. What vision was it that called them all together? What did they hope for as they worshiped together at the corner of North Highland and North Morningside? I imagine the fervor and the belief and the hope that they must have had as this building was going up. The confidence in what God had called them to, to the faith in the new thing that God was doing as they mortgaged their homes to ensure that this building was built. I imagine sometimes that I can feel 
the generosity of those people and the goodness of God in the very mortar of the building. I wonder about their hearts as membership over time, membership of this beloved community started to dwindle. Were they discouraged? Were they optimistic? I think about the investment of the people who believed in the work God was doing in this church, believed that God would someday do something new. I think about the stories that I've heard of the pastors of this church going to their parishioners and saying, we're not going to make payroll this month, and I need you to give me twenty, thirty, forty thousand dollars $40,000 so that we can keep it going. And they did. People have done that. Believing that God was still moving in this place, they gave. And Morningside grew. I laugh sometimes when I hear this, the story that the church got a cardboard cutout of their former associate pastor who was part-time, and they cut him in half as a visual reminder of this vision that they had to commit funds to make him full-time. They believed in that. They followed this vision that God had given them, and soon enough, his cardboard cutout was whole again. I wonder if the first members of this congregation knew that when they began 94 years ago, that God would walk alongside them as they knit together a community with generosity and faith and openness. If they knew the remarkable things that God would do through this body of believers. I wonder about them, and I am so deeply thankful for those saints and really for the goodness of God. And do you know what else I never, ever have to wonder about? Through all of that history, along every step, in each of the struggles faced and conquered with every celebration, that God was there, that God was still God. The God who created the universe, who promised newness and rejoicing to the Israelites returning from exile, the God that called this congregation together nine and a half decades ago is the same God who calls us together today. And it is the same God who will be working and moving in this congregation and this world for decades to come. The God of promises of hopeful vision is steadfast. So we know that whatever comes next, wherever this journey together takes us, God is going to lead us and be with us. Sisters and brothers, my beloved community, God calls us together and has promised to do something new. As we stand facing the end of the year and look forward to a new year and a new season in the life of this church, let us continue to work together for love and justice and peace here and now, committed to the vision of a God who is in the business of recreation. Thanks be to God.